0: Welcome to the first in a series of podcasts analysing the proposals flowing from the MIFID review both at the UK and the EU level. My name is Una Harrison and I'm a PSL counsel in ANO's Financial Services Regulatory Practice. In this recording I'm joined by partners Nick Bradbury and Damien Carolan and Senior Associate Kalesi Blundell to take a look at what HMT is proposing in the context of a transparency regime. As we all know, MIFID II imposes both pre- and post-trade transparency requirements for equity and non-equity financial instruments that aim to improve the quality and availability of market data and reduce the costs of purchasing data. The pre-trade transparency obligations require market operators and investment firms operating a trading venue to make public current bid and offer prices and the depth of trading interest at those prices which are advertised through their systems for equity and non-equity instruments. In the review paper, the government confirms that it believes that MIFID II equity pre-trade transparency regime works relatively well and overall has a positive effect on price discovery. However, the government's aware that the DVC is operationally costly and doesn't achieve its objectives of pushing equity trading onto lit venues. In addition, it believes that amendments could be made to the reference price waiver to encourage innovation and to enhance best execution. The government also believes that amending the transparency regime to encourage SIs to quote in meaningful sizes could help increase transparency and therefore price formation and best execution. Nick, what are your thoughts on Treasury's proposals for the equity pre-trade transparency regime?
1: Thanks, Una. I think there are two headline-grabbing points in the context of the equity pre-trade transparency regime. Uh, the first is the abolition of the double volume cap, or DVC, and the second is targeting amendments to the reference price waiver. So taking the DVC proposals first, I think it's fair to say the EU authorities were always more concerned about dark trading than the UK authorities, and they were more sold on the idea of the DVC as a mechanism to move trading onto lit venues. In putting together its proposals, HMT carried out various research on the impact of dark pools on the integrity and efficiency of markets, which suggests that the relationship between price formation, execution costs, and dark trading is complex and variable. It also showed that banning dark pools can result in volume moving into hybrid, quasi-dark trading mechanisms. So what is HMT proposing? The UK government does not believe that the DVC is an appropriate tool to protect price formation in UK markets, and as a result, it's looking at abolishing it. A control mechanism will be put in place to ensure market integrity, whereby the FCA continues to monitor dark trading in the markets and retains its ability to limit it if there is evidence that the volume of trading is undermining the efficiency of the price formation process. The second area is the reference price waiver, which is obviously interrelated to the DVC, HMT are concerned that the source of the reference price waiver is too narrow, partly as a result of Brexit, but also due to the fact that the source is limited to the trading venue where the instrument was first admitted to trading or from the most relevant market in terms of liquidity. The government is therefore proposing a more liberal approach and suggesting that Reference price systems can match orders at the midpoint within the current bid and offer of any UK or non-UK venue, the key principle being that the venue must provide ultimately best execution for the underlying client.
0: Damien, I, mean, I think it's fair to say that the transparency regime was one that was originally designed to accommodate the specific characteristics of the equities market, and that when MIFID II sought to extend it to cover bonds, derivatives, structured finance products, etc., the regime didn't really develop satisfactorily in order to account for the fundamental differences between those categories of markets. And As a result, it looks like the government is seeking to make some quite significant changes
2: yeah, that's that's right, Una. I mean, as you say, the the, the current framework is based on, a, I think, what most recognize is an inaccurate assumption that transparency, especially pre-trade transparency, plays the same role in fixed income and derivatives markets as it does in equities. Now, if you think about it, equities markets and trading have always concentrated on venues, of course. And so the MIFID transparency regime was designed on that basis. Whereas in non-equities markets, there's, there's a very different liquidity and trading profile that's always existed. Venues were never really a material source of price formation. And those looking to deal really inform their pricing through other methods, through RFQ or other more flexible systems, interdealer broking, bilateral forums, et cetera. Now, of course, things are slowly changing for fixed income, right? So some more liquid non-equity instruments are now being traded more on venue, but still the fundamental difference remains. And so what many observed from the outset of what's become MIFID II was that an equities base just wasn't the right starting point. And yet, of course, that's what we ended up with. And so when you look at the UK proposals that are now coming out, we can split those into three areas, really. So we've got scope, we've got liquid market determination, and then we've got what HMT would like to do in relation to the scope of pre-trade transparency. So if I give you just a few seconds on each of those in turn. On scope, I think HMT intends to clarify the scope of the transparency regime, particularly for OTC derivatives, because it currently depends on whether a financial instrument is traded on a trading venue. Now, that's a concept which is particularly ambiguous at best in the context of OTC derivatives. You start having to rely on ISINs and key characteristics, which is a a fairly tortuous and difficult process in practice as people have tried to implement it. And so HMT is proposing that traded on a trading venue terminology is removed and that the scope for OTC derivatives would centre instead on whether a financial instrument is centrally cleared, either voluntarily or according to mandatory requirements. And that, of course, will be a far more readily ascertainable basis for implementation, which I think would be welcome in that respect. The second point is around illiquid instruments. Now, the pre-trade transparency requirements, of course, are subject to an exemption where the instrument is illiquid. And today, that's determined by a series of really quite complex calculations made on a backward-looking basis regarding trading. Now, the HMT has proposed that the illiquid instrument exemption be based on qualitative and quantitative criteria rather than the existing calculations when we're looking at non-equities markets. And again, this is on the basis of a recognition that, that the purely mathematical calculations based on volumes just don't sit well with the less standardised instrument types and, and trading methodologies involved in fixed income markets. Having said this, there are no firm proposals from HMT on what the specific criteria to be used will be, but at least they will be a bit more thoughtful than those old methodologies that we, we know and love for equities. Now finally, as already mentioned, I don't think anyone thinks an extension of the pre-trade transparency regime to fixed income and derivatives instruments has worked well, or that indeed there was a particularly pressing problem that needed fixing in many cases. And yeah, Treasury attributes this to the use of requests for, quote, trading arrangements prevalent in these markets rather than central order books of the sort prevalent in equities markets, as, as we've already touched upon. So in a broader sense, HMT is looking to revise the scope of the regime in full. So in scope would be systems such as electronic order books and periodic auctions that currently operate under full transparency. Today, um, bilateral trades would be out of scope which I think, is again, is a helpful move. And depending on that final position of that reform, we will then have the HMT looking at the waivers applicable to pre-trade transparency within that more limited scope. So so more to come, really.
0: Thank you. Turning now to post-trade transparency. In relation to equities and equity-like instruments, Treasury states that the regime is is generally working well and has a positive impact on price formation as the data is more standardised and accessible than other asset classes. Position, however, is different for fixed income and derivative instruments. Klesi, what is the government really looking to change as part of this review in that context?
3: Well, to increase transparency and aid the price formation process in fixed income and derivatives markets, the government's looking at refocusing the regime and reducing the number of deferrals that are available. Currently, the publication of trades that can be deferred for up to four weeks are large in scale, LIS, i.e. block trades, trades deemed liquid according to the liquidity calculations, trades above a size specific to the instrument, or package orders. HM Treasury is proposing that only deferrals for large in scale and trades deemed liquid would remain. However, the timing of the deferrals will be subject to consultation by the FCA, potentially making it shorter for blockchains and longer for liquid instruments. Alongside these changes to the large and scale deferral, the government is considering reverting to the pre-MIFID II situation, where trading venues calculated the large and scale thresholds for exchange traded derivatives post-trade reporting. Market participants are generally of the view that this pre-MIFID II approach worked well and ensured that the right instruments were in scope of the transparency regime.
0: Thanks, Klessy. One final question before we draw this podcast to a close. A hot topic amongst the industry post-Brexit continues to be divergence and how far is the UK prepared to diverge to really ensure that UK markets operate in the way the UK government and the regulators would like? Nick, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Thanks, Una. Yeah, I think the HMT paper is potentially and arguably quite a significant milestone in our understanding of what appetite the UK authorities have for divergence from the EU position. And I think it shows that that appetite is quite high. The UK government in the Treasury paper didn't hesitate where they didn't agree with the regulatory policy behind the EU rules as they apply generally or as they apply specifically to UK markets. They did not hesitate to propose something materially quite different. That, of course, involves a, a potentially big, significant practical challenge for firms in that those operating a pan European business will have to operate parallel and in increasingly divergent compliance frameworks across their UK and EU businesses. And, and this is certainly an area where we expect to be helping our clients navigate the new environment a lot over the coming months and years.
0: Thank you, Nick, Damien, and Klessi. The FCA is expected to publish its consultation paper which is likely to pick up on a number of the themes outlined in HMT's Wholesale Market Review. We'll be running a breakfast briefing and publishing a bulletin once we have sight of that consultation. So please do continue to visit ANO Mifid Review web pages for up-to-date content on the review as we see it progress. Many thanks. <music>